You like easy money? Well, thanks to my bookie and their lock of the season. If either team scores in the NFL season opener, you win. A game hasn't ended 0-0 since, well, World War II, so this is a sure thing. Head to mybookie.ag, select the lock of the season, and any team scores between the Cowboys and Tampa Bay Bucks, and you win! The best bet is the one you cannot lose. MyBookie is also playing host to several exclusive contests, including their $100,000 Super Contest, and it only costs $10 to enter. There's big money on the line this season, so don't wait to get in the game. Join now. Head to MyBookie.ag today and use our promo code ZABE and instantly receive double your first deposit. That's right, double your funds to double your winnings. Again, that's promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and receive double your first deposit and get started with MyBookie today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Today's Power Lunch is brought to you by The Palm in Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Sure, The Palm is great for a fancy night out, but it's also the perfect midweek spot for a lunch with a client, or a lunch to catch up with a friend, or maybe even to do an interesting podcast like this. Power Lunch menu selections at The Palm start at $26 for an appetizer, meal, and dessert. Book your reservation today directly at thepalm.com, open table, or by calling them at 703-917-0200. I can make most anything on the menu except whatever you got is fine. I'm going to say some bad words. You're just going to have to deal with it. PB&J with the crusts cut off. Well, Brian, this is a very nutritious lunch. Hey, you got enough money to pay for all this? You know, money, cash, dollars, dinero. So what I believe you were trying to say is thank you. Thank you? You're welcome. What can I say except you're welcome? For the tides, the sun, the sky. Hey, right okay. here. Okay. All right, so let's start with uh, Buck Hansen, your anti-parsley stance, since you clearly are an anti-parsley. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, the, re- the reason that chefs put parsley on things is because it dresses it up. And I don't like that on my food. I don't, it doesn't, I don't like crunchy, no, whatever Nobody eats parsley. Nobody eats parsley. Yes. So, so it's like... I want to tell these chefs who stop it. uh, What I want to say to them is, look, it ain't a Christmas tree. It's dinner. (laughs) All right. You're a Jew. What do you know about Christmas trees? Oh, I know plenty. Oh, you do. We we had one. Oh, that's right. Did you marry a goy? No, no. But when I was growing up, we I did not know this about Steve Buckhans. We celebrated both. Oh, wow. We went and got a big Christmas tree. Was your mom Jewish and your father? both, Both of them Jewish. So you just lived it up in the holidays. Damn right, buddy. That's awesome. We we opened presents on Christmas morning, and we had presents uh, every night of Hanukkah. Well, you're like an honorary Christian. Absolutely. Can I be an honorary Jew? Well, you got to go through some steps. Oh, Jesus, enough of this stuff. We're like burning tree. We just don't admit anybody, (laughs) all right? you got to go through, you know, the the whole sequence. Oh, my God. It's great to be with you, boys. My two favorite homeboys, Steve Buckhantz. Chris Naki is with us here on our Power Lunch on a Tuesday. I find it funny because I'm as picky as they come, but parsley doesn't bother me. Really? Yeah, parsley doesn't bother God. me because it's easily pluckable. Yeah, but there's it's a- one pluck and boop. No, it's more than one pluck. There's no, a lot of, you got no, go. a piece of parsley. Oh, come on, Buck. It's, it's not heavy. It's, 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 it's not plant. heavy. No, lifting. it's no, no, no. It's, you're thinking of either cilantro. No, no, I'm thinking of parsley. They sprinkle it on everything. 
No, you, that's something else, Naki. What is yeah, he thinking no, of? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think he is thinking of cilantro. No. Is, no, 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 no. Okay, I hate well, cilantro. That's disgusting. That stuff's horrible. Okay, you're talking about chopped parsley yeah, that chopped they spread parsley around. parsley that they spread on mm. everything. You see okay. it in commercials. When you look at the Olive Garden commercials, they got, sal- they got parsley all over everything. It's all over the pasta. That's what we're talking about, yeah, right? it's that all chopped right up. There? Okay. They, that's what these chefs do. They see, put it on everything. <laughs> at Chipotle, I make them go get the white rice without the cilantro. It's in the back. It's in the heating cabinet. And it's under cellophane. It's an extra step. It does slow the line You're down. The guy. I'm the I've guy. I've behind you before. And you know what? I'll keep doing it, Naki, until the day they have two bins of rice, one with parsley and one without. And you get the one without? You're yes. Saying, yeah, good. But it's a I special order. I didn't know that. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. Special order is what? Don't upset us. Goddamn right. Burger King, <laughs> circa 1976. <laughs> That's All right. Classic. All right. So we've got a big one to talk about today, and that is the Tim Donaghy documentary on Netflix under their Untold Stories series, which I don't know who's bankrolling that series of documentaries. They're about an hour, hour and 15. Yeah. They're probably not as involved as 30 for 30s, but they're very good. They're Would very you agree? Good. Yes, excellent. And they've got one on the Lene Kakua catfishing incident I with Titeo. I have I not heard, seen I that yet. very good. I did they have one that. about how Nike Naki killed and won Nike as Naki. a brand. Nike yes, Naki. I'm aware, yes. I'm aware of the story anyways. By the way, you are. I think with the officials, anything that has to do with officials and gambling, I think the National Association of Basketball Coaches actually is funding that. <laughs> the NABC. <laughs> Weren't you a member of the NABC I when you coached the American? Card carrying. Yeah, do you wow. still card? Do you still no. member? No. No. The great part about the NABC was the Final Four ticket privileges you had. Oh, yeah. You know, and you could get hooked up. You get hooked up. You get wow. these great seats, and then you go sell them. <laughs> oh, sure. Why not? Exactly. Oh, man. So, Buck, you called NBA games uh, for how many years? 22. 22 years. And so you saw this up close. In fact, you're in the documentary for a brief little clip. There's a couple of them, yeah. A couple yeah. clips in there. Okay. Right. So you, I was given the homework. Are you taking the wagers or what? <laughs> I, I wish. You know, it's funny. It's that just you, your voice voiceover? Is that? Or, uh, yeah, the calls. Okay. There some, and there was some interaction once with uh, that Tim Donaghy had with Eddie Jordan. And I said, hey, Eddie's not happy with Tim Donaghy right now. Okay. Yeah. And, and I knew Tim. That was a great clip. Knew Tim. Knew his father. You probably remember his father, Naki. Jerry Donaghy. Yes, absolutely. Refereed in the yep. ACC. Did the final four in 93. They had a yeah. clip yeah. of yeah. Donaghy's dad. Dad. He, so he's yeah. a legacy yeah. ref yeah. Yeah. who yeah. went rogue. Well, a lot yeah. of these guys are. A lot of the, oh, you, know, lot, you know, like Jess Kersey, his son, Brian Kersey, runs right. the f- officiating for the ACC. Well, Joe Forte, it's, who has lived with me in Atlanta for six months, is a very close friend of mine. His son, Brian, is refereeing in the NBA. Right. Very good referee. Some would say, Naki, it's a cabal of nepotism. There's a lot a of it there. A den of snakes. Some would say. Some would say, as you, when you were a coach, you saw these men take food off, <laughs> off your table, table from your kids' mouths <laughs> with every fucking call they made. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of sons I, in there. James Capers Jr., uh, uh, Tommy Nunez Jr. was in which, there. Uh, which, again, points to the fact, and I once upon a long-ass time ago got Got certified as a Virginia high school official. I was as well. I had dreams of wearing the the lanyard lanyard of shame. shame. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I did eighth grade girls games. Nice. In empty gymnasiums because that's the low rung you sure start off. Of course it is. But See, now, getting- now, though, there's such a shortage of officials at a high school level. You, you, can, would, you would be starting doing high school games. Even at 54. They, they, would, they would put you on, like, freshman games to start for sure. And at 54 years yes, old. they would. Get out of they town. Need, if you didn't have a heart that, attack running up and down the also, court. That's also <laughs> why they're, not, they're also not playing the games just on Tuesdays and Fridays now because they found really? that by, by having all the games on Tuesdays and Fridays, they, they didn't have enough refs to cover oh those games. Oh, my right. So why are they not able to fill the positions? Because nobody money, wants, nobody to take wants the, the abuse. I, I guess. I, I guess it's partially combination. money. Okay. It's a combination. Of those yeah. Nobody things. wants yeah. to take that for fifty dollars a game or yeah. whatever they're I think paying. It's, I think they're actually paying, paying better much, now. Much better yeah. now. Yeah. Right. See, my ideal job schedule would be uh, golf course ranger in the morning, <laughs> free golf at the course I'm at. Drive a bus for the school district because they need bus drivers. So, so that'd be easy, and then be a ref at night. Perfect. Jeez. That's a Make forty-two thousand six ninety-five a year. That's a little too much work for me. <laughs> too much work for That's you. Three great, it's great to have dreams. No, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. anyhow, you know, to get to the NBA is not easy unless you're the son of. Well, even legacy. those guys have to go through the G League now and what was yeah. back in the day. The, you know, the developmental league, and yeah, you have to. They do have that. to go through the steps. But my point is, if you're not a legacy, you're facing much longer odds. I think. But that's besides the point. So Tim Donaghy, as we all know, famously pinched by the FBI for betting on games he was officiating. He still maintains to this day he never threw a game. Right. Never made a call consciously that uh, affected a game. Right. But the documentary winds through pretty much how it all went down, and it's fascinating on multiple levels. What was your takeaway, Buck, having been in the NBA, having known Tim Donaghy, and seeing the way the documentary presented the whole situation. I was telling Naki before we started that uh, I was impressed by the fact that he seemed extremely forthright, very sincere. I had no reason not to believe a word he said. Listen, he's a beaten down human being. He, he, and I'm not saying what he did was right. I'm just saying as a human being now, he has opened himself up and he went to prison for 15 months. Okay, he 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 served time. He's beaten down. He referees like high school wrestling now. I mean, he does. He's not the same man. He 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 said in the documentary, "I effed up my life." Right. And however, he's building a new house in Florida and yeah, he's driving well, a Range Rover. Yeah. And at the end of the documentary, Naki, they asked him because he only paid thirty thousand dollars. He he was paid. Th- he got paid two thousand dollars a game. For, for, for when his calls were correct. When, and again, he didn't... Allegedly fix, paid two grand a well, game. again, they asked him twice about that. I oh, know. Also, also it's, and I haven't seen it, okay, yeah. but it sounds a little disingenuous to me for somebody like that, in that position to say he didn't affect the outcome of a game. Well, that's he, what they made him yeah. sign something at the end, the, the but, FBI. But you, when, you're, when you're gambling like that, you're not, you're not necessarily trying to affect the outcome of a game. You're trying to affect maybe yeah. the point spread. The point right. spread. That, right. That's, where, right. you're, that's right. where it comes into right. play. Exactly. Right. So, so what he said was he said he did not consciously, consciously. make calls that affected the game. What they said to him was, and their contention was, how can you be betting on games and not even subconsciously making a call Absolutely. to do that? And, and he was, 
I would say forced to, he did sign something that admitted, okay, that subconsciously maybe I did. It started with his golfing buddy, Jack Concanon, who started asking him about right. games. Different Jack Concanon than the one that I used to be a quarterback for, for the, the Bears. Bears and, and the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. This was, his name was Jack Concanon, yes, right? Yeah. yeah. Spelled so differently. It was his golf buddy, Naki, and he's like, hey, man, who do you like tonight? And so Donaghy starts to kind of flip him some, yeah, I'd take Orlando tonight, or, you know, I'd take Memphis tonight kind of thing, right? And these are games that he's working, that Donaghy is not, working? Not, or, no, not, not, not at start. that point. Not okay. No, start. not at that okay. point. Concanon then starts to talk, because that's what people do, and he starts to blab. And two other Jersey ne'er-do-wells, Tommy Baba something. Yeah, they're right? like Philly guys, really. Philly yeah. guy, yeah. whatever. Same <laughs> trash, different state. You know, you just cross the border. Okay. The chicken man. Right? <laughs> One guy they called Baba, and the other guy, I forget his name. I, I had a card with like all of it Joey or somebody? I don't know. Who yeah, Joey Peeps or whatever. Right. So these two guys get word from Con Cannon that they're getting tips from an NBA ref. They're like, ooh, we're interested. So now they start pressuring Con Cannon, and they're like, you got to give us the good stuff from Donaghy. So then Con Cannon sets up a meeting between Donaghy and these guys from Jersey. Right. And Timmy says, I can't be seen with this guy. What are you doing? You know, the, the, right. And then these guys end up getting involved with the mob and now the mob is involved in this, and the mob is making millions They're of dollars off the killing players. it because once Donaghy got fully up and running of giving a pick where he'd be paid a, a premium of two grand for right. every pick, win or lose, right. then the mob was moving up to three to five million in money for every yeah. game, and they went 78 0.4% against it the spread. Pretty good, odds. pretty good odds. <laughs> pretty good odds. So here's, exactly. what, here's what Tim was doing, okay? And, and let me preface this by saying that, and we can discuss this, we really should. This really was the beginning of all the transparency that you see in sports today. I'm not just talking about the NBA. I'm talking about replay, everything. This started all the transparency because the NBA was on the edge of going down. If they had found more than one referee who did this, it could have been the demise of that league. They painted him as a rogue official, and they did I, it on purpose. I, I still, to this day, have trouble believing that this happened in a vacuum. Well, well, okay, so here's what happened. So the FBI finally gets word that, hey, there's a lot of mob money moving on these NBA games, and someone's feeding them info. So they hone in, and they get wiretaps and they pinch Donaghy. They're like, hey, bud, you're, you're fucking in big trouble. So then the FBI makes a huge mistake in that they walk right into Stern's office and they go, hey, oh, you know one of your refs is betting on the games. Well, Stern doesn't say, oh my gosh, we have to find out how deep this goes. Stern does the opposite. He's like, we are going to wrap this up with one guy. Circle the wagon. And here's we the got- narrative. Mm-hmm. Rogue referee. So <clears throat> the FBI wanted to put Donaghy back into the, into the aquarium, back in the NBA. But it got Wired up. Out. It got leaked out. It got leaked out. They wanted to send Donaghy in, wired up, to talk to other officials and find out how deep it went, how far. And Stern was having none of it because he knew the whole house would burn down. That's also why David Stern, as dictatorial as he was, 
was one of the brilliant, great, brilliant. one of the great commissioners in Ruthless, sports ever. Brilliant, yeah. shady, and absolute gangster. Now, yeah. here's the thing that Donaghy was doing because a lot of people are like, "Well, how is he getting?" Back in the day when he was refereeing, and he was a good referee, he was root- he was rated highly. Like, he said he said he was rated like number three of sixty guys. So um, what he was doing was. Back in the day, you didn't know who was officiating a game until they walked on the court at eight, at seven o'clock at night. You didn't know. The public didn't. The know. public, nobody knew. Did the teams know? Hell no. Did you, as a broadcaster, know? didn't know? Well, I would go in their locker room before the game <laughs> and find out. Well, my buddy Joe Forte was refereeing, and when he was in town, he said, "Hey, I'm here," and I would go in there and sit with those guys before the game, so I knew who all three of them were. But you know, ten minutes before is when the coaches and and the players knew, uh, and. Now, you can go online at 9 a.m., go to NBA.com, right. and see exactly who's refereeing. But the point is, he would tell uh, the, the wagering guys, he would tell his partners, who's refereeing. Plus, he knew the tendency of some of his colleagues right. with regard to teams that they were working on. Um, they had a wager that they talked about, and it's in his book. He's got a really yeah. cool book called Personal Foul. i got to let you read it. It's awesome. Uh, they had a wager, him and he didn't he never named another referee, which was I like that. He didn't he didn't rat on anybody. Stitches get stitches. And he said that they had they would they had a wager amongst themselves for a dinner. Who, who would be the first guy to call a foul again on Allen Iverson? And because they didn't like him and I, Iverson would get the shit beat out of him because nobody wanted to lose the bet to right. be the first guy to call a foul. And it was, I thought it was not just Iverson. I thought, it was a, I thought it was a wager that who can be the last one to blow a whistle in a right. game. And they would have games that would start two, three minutes, bodies flying. Yeah. And they had highlight clips of this. And that, to me, Buck, outraged me beyond belief. It's like, hey, fuckers. We're trying to have a game here. Well, Do no, your yeah. job. Yeah, your right. silly little bet like, hey, let's wait to see how long yeah. we can go. And that's, oh, what's, that's what's aggravating. <laughs> but in his book, they, he does okay. mention Iverson. And it, they definitely it, had it out for Iverson. Yeah. So, so back to, the, to more people being involved, because that's my thing here, right? Right. right. But, mm-hmm. So do you remember the IRS scandal with the officials Absolutely. In, the, in the early 90s? My, my they friend were Joe Forte out. was involved in that. They, they were swapping. So at the time. But it was all say, the Virginia think, guys. Think of the math. There were 75 full-time officials at that point in time in the league, all making between like 140 and 250, yep. uh, uh, 140,000, 250,000. Right. Okay, so there, if the flight was over two hours, they got a first-class ticket, right. which they could swap for coach, for, for coach and, and pocket, pocket the, the rest. Right. Well, thousand dollars a trip. Eventually, sometimes. those those fringe benefits were they became unreported income. Right. So those guys get pinched. By the IRS. How many of the 75 guys got charged by the IRS? Don't know. Charged? 52. Yeah. 52 of the 75 guys had some level of charges. So I'm I'm just saying. How is it that only Donaghy was pinched in this? That's my point. Because here's why. I think I've got it at the point of the documentary here. You can take a listen. I think he got off easy. That's you the FBI with guy the right NBA there. NBA with a lot of power, a lot of clout, a lot of money. Stern amassed a small army to make sure this didn't cause significant damage. And you want to know something? He encapsulated it. And also, our investigation into 
dozens of areas of information that we got from Tim led us to the point that it was clear that we were not going to indict anybody else. Was Phil working for the NBA? He wasn't working for the government because why didn't they go after everybody else? Mm -hmm. 60 NBA referees were fucking questioned on gambling. 45 admitted to yes. Did Phil and the fucking boys who answer them? Uh-uh. Why? <laughs> Big Daddy Stern said, put this bitch to bed. They could not get it out. <laughs> Sterner offered him a job in the course of the investigation. Is that true? He pulls me Stern pulls me aside. He says, you know, I could use people like you. <laughs> That's now, one of the agents. Was, was I looking for a job? Would I ever entertain a job from somebody I was investigating? Not even close. Yeah. They gave him his pension. He got minimal time. I believe David Stern, Tim Donaghy, and Phil Scala were working together. It's make it simple. He was a rogue yep. official. Bingo. Listen, anything that Batista says, he's full of shit. Yeah, Nothing that's Donaghy. that comes out of that guy's mouth is the truth. We think we have here a rogue, isolated criminal. Yeah. Most of the refs. So there it is right there. So the I IRS just... thing, um, they uh, they went after the corridor, really, of Virginia referees. Mm -hmm. Jess Kersey, Joe Forte, all the guys that lived up the coast, the eastern seaboard. And, and Scott Foster from Annapolis. Yeah, but he was he was not charged with anything. He was he, not he, charged. He, he was right. cleared. However, yeah. Foster Naki would talk to Donaghy multiple times a day, before games, after games, even a few times at halftime and by they phone. Were, they were close friends. Do you they remember? were close friends. They're not close friends anymore. And the thought that they're just talking about family matters is a bit dubious to me. Do you remember, it might have been 15 years ago, we were doing a, a sports reporters on 980, and I was talking about this very thing. And uh, during break, Scott Foster's wife called oh, the right. station. She was furious. She really? was furious, yeah. yeah wow. Because I'd said, I'd said there's no way there's just one guy right. involved. Well, I don't... I know Scott very well. And You're compromised. You're friends with him. I get that. And he has and been he, cleared officially. Good guy. And, but I, I, know. I don't, and, I, and he's rated as one of their best officials, obviously. He works the finals. And I don't think he was involved in any way at all. And again, I go back to my friend Joe Forte, who I'm very close with, who refereed for 25 years in the NBA. And when Tim Donaghy's book came out, of course, all the referees, especially the ones that weren't involved in any of this, were like, and nothing, nothing that guy said is true. That's that's all bullshit. And I know Joe wasn't involved in any gambling or any of that stuff. And I don't think Scott was either. But uh, but that that IRS thing, the, the the government was relentless. They went after not just the referees. They went after their wives. They really? went after everything. Joe had to wear a bracelet around his ankle until he was cleared. Wow. <clears throat> he couldn't oh. go anywhere. He was only allowed to go to his job, which he was a starter at a golf course, and he w could do that. And he'd be floating in his pool uh, wearing a wearing a bright a break. There were only two guys that didn't take a plea deal out of those fifty plus guys. One was uh, Javi, Steve, Steve Javi, Javi, Philadelphia who, who guy, who was acquitted. Uh, Ken Maurer yeah. actually was found guilty. And, and I think he was booted out and then let back in. Yeah, he was one of their top officials. He's yeah. from Minnesota. Yeah. And, well, uh, but, 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 so 
the the net net of all of this is as we look back on how the state of officiating was before the Donaghy scandal and everything else, it was such a rogue operation for a major sports league. It guys were calling shit basically on a whim. They were calling stuff based on one supervisor going, "Hey, you should look out for this particular spin move tonight." They called it on Donaghy called it on Jordan, and they're like, "You're not supposed to call it on him." Right. Called on other guys. <laughs> that's what we want. Yeah, that's literally what yeah, they said. They told him to look out for that. Look yeah. out for the spin and, move. We're cracking then, down. So on MJ yeah. does the spin move, which you know you pick up your pivot foot and it's a travel. And he called it on him. And then they said to him afterwards, uh, Phil Jackson said, you yeah. know, uh, you everybody but that guy. Yeah, you can't call it on that guy. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. And we know that this happens. I mean, you know. So the other thing was with LeBron. Obviously, yeah. the other thing was I believe when Cuban started to agitate against the refs and was racking up massive fines talking about, you know, I'll work at Dairy Queen if these refs, you know, whatever. He was making these, he was really rattling the cage. I think that was pre-Donaghy. But it took Cuban really rattling the cage to say, what the fuck is going on with the officiating in this league? Right. Because it was a mom-and-pop operation that didn't have the oversight, no matter what their rating systems were, Buckhands. Right, right. And so now it's much more corporate scrutinized. Well, let me much up. more. Let me tell you something. This changed the all of officiating in every sport. It 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 um, um, it, it kept a, a replay coming quickly, much more quickly than we we ever saw it. It the, it changed the transparency of the game <clears throat> has evolved because of this. <clears throat> Excuse me. It has evolved because of this. There's a two-minute report in the NBA, which I know L2M. you know about. Yeah, the, the L2M. The last two minutes of a game and overtime where the league comes out and they basically say this guy made the right call or this guy made the wrong call or this guy didn't make the call at all. And all it does is it points out these uh, fallacies or these, these incorrect calls, but it doesn't change anything. No, right. So it makes everybody mad. It As makes, you say, Naki, the dogs bark. And the caravan moves it on. It makes say, everybody no. mad, but... <clears throat> because the league is trying to be transparent, transparent. they do that. Right. And that's why they change the thing with the officials. Rather than wait till who walks out on the court, they say, we're going to tell that's, you who's referee in the game. It's also a hand in why you have replay. Absolutely. You know? No doubt about it. You think replay is a hedge just to get the gambling aspect a little bit more No, because up? replay became, came before gambling is as big okay. as it has now. I thought replay was for the fans who can't stand there ever being a wrong call. Well, it's that, and it's, all, it's that, and it's also because we do want to get this right. And I don't. That's fine. I I have no problem with that. I, I'm like you. I don't like replay. I, hate replay. I mean, we should I'd, go. I'd kill it all. I, the I fire would too. Tomorrow. I would too. But but if you're going to bitch and moan about it, then you either have it or you don't have it. But don't bitch and moan about it. And there's going to be too much bitching oh, and moaning. Now. I reserve the right to bitch and moan <laughs> right. about everything. It's what I do, including right. parsley, cilantro, <laughs> and 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 Major League Baseball, which was really the last big sport to to you know include uh, replay. Uh, they had to do it because. With replay on television as fans, as we watch the games, I know everybody is seeing the what games the right are, call is. Yeah, the games are played on our TV screens, not on fields. Yeah, but here's and the point: the America. only people that weren't seeing that were the umpires. 
They had to see it. I the know, whole but, rest of the world is like, hey, you got the call wrong, but these guys couldn't change it because they didn't have any replay. But as you know, at, at 240 frames per second slow-mo in high definition, yeah. it's easy to see it. It's easy to see it. No, and I'm, sometimes, not say, I'm not saying the umpires were wrong for making I know, they their couldn't judgment. see it. Yeah. They couldn't see it. What I'm, what I'm saying is if the rest of the world was seeing it when we're going, obviously you've missed the call, the umpires had no way to change it because there was no replay. And they said, all right, now we got to let the umps in on this deal because yeah. everybody else is seeing it right. but them. Right now. Anyway, it's a great documentary. I highly recommend it. Uh, and just a fascinating look back at an episode in sports that is hugely historic. It's incredible. It's, it's re- and, and like I said at the beginning, I, you watch it and you see Donaghy talk about it, and I had no reason to believe that he wasn't telling the truth. I just – okay. If I may, Buck. Yes, you may. You knew if him, I though, may. right? Well, yeah, I knew him, but I'm and I'm watching him on this documentary, and you know, you you tell me what you think when you see it. He just, I think he's practiced the, at this point in time. He's practiced his story. Yeah, it's you know? possible. But I again, I know knew him, and 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 just looking at the documentary, it just doesn't seem to me like he's lying or fibbing. Uh, and he's got. I think a, the guy you heard screaming about "put this bitch to bed" is the most honest guy of them all, even though he may have been the shadiest or the most violent guy of all. Mm-hmm. Because I think his story rings more true. I think Donaghy did get pulled in by Stern to say, "You're going to take the fall, but we're going to cushion the fall to some extent." That's that's possible, and, I guess. And late in the documentary, they asked Donaghy, "They're like, so your restitution was only thirty thousand dollars, really?" You're going to do 15 months for stealing $30,000. The documentary in interviewer said, did you make more money than you said you did? And his first answer was, I don't know. Yeah, and then he came back I don't and know. asked him again. They had to ask him again. Interesting. Interesting. And he, and they, he On said a different interview. Plus, and he goes, no, no, I didn't make more than I, that. Well, he said, I didn't understand the question. And no, I didn't make more than that. But here's the thing. Back when he was doing that, he didn't understand how big it was. He didn't know the mafia was involved in it. They were paying him $2,000 a game. Did, and he's saying, that's really, awesome, man. Really, well, he, Buck? But, but, he didn't but, know. But, but he also said, he was that naive. He, also, he wasn't aware. Come on. Also said at one point, I can't be seen with these guys. And the reason he said that is because he he's a, he figured he was associating with a with a mob guy, right? Well, I don't know if he knew he was associating with a mob guy, but he knew that he was in so deep where. And listen, those referees, like when when they were told no gambling and all that stuff, they meant going to Atlantic City to gamble. If you you couldn't do that as couldn't a referee, walk into a casino, yeah, walk into a casino, you couldn't. If they found you in there, you were in trouble. They didn't send him to San Quentin either, right? I mean, they did. They, they, <laughs> no, it I mean, was it was not you know San Quentin, but I don't think he was club fed either. Okay, yeah. it was still prison. Yeah. yeah, still apparently unpleasant. Who knows? I think he Here, went to Florida Atlantic or something. So here's the doing the perp walk. Hundreds of thousands on the table. If you're filming my new house, the Range Rover, I don't want someone thinking, God, this guy's supposed to be destitute. Where the fuck's this guy getting all this fucking money? You know what I mean? I think that you're concerned that you would appear well off. It's only problematic if you made more money than you say you did. Right. Right? Sure. Um, did you make more money than you said you did? I don't know. <laughs> and they had to come back and mop that up. I don't know. Yeah. See, that to me makes him look shady. But anyway, quite a tale, quite a story, Buck. <laughs> it's a really great uh, 
I got to check it out. It's so good to watch. It's yeah. just and 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 I need to get you the, his book. I have it at home. It's called Personal Foul, and that's a little more intricate and in, into how they did what they did. Some of these officials, and there were some names named in that actually. But uh, oh well. And when that when that book came out, some of my friends who are referees just were like appalled, and including Joe yeah. Forte, and they just said that, that boy, this this lot of this stuff did not happen. Yeah. I don't know where you got. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Got it. So about last night, how about... Nathaniel Hackett choosing a 64-yard field goal attempt instead of fourth and five. I mean, we've all been watching the NFL for a long time, our whole lives. I can honestly say, well, never seen that before. Well, he also had timeouts too, right? Oh, yeah, timeouts. Yeah, Yeah. the whole whole deal. Yeah. Buck, you were a straight-on kicker, a punch-toe kicker (laughs) at Washington and Lee. You you were a toe puncher, they call those guys. Washington Lee. Washington and Lee is the university. Okay, all right. You were a a high school square-toe kicker. Yes, I was. I was. What do you think of that particular strategic move? Well, you know, back in the day, nobody kicked 63 yards except Tom Dempsey, who had half a foot. Well, he also did it with, like, one second on the clock, right, in that game. Okay. So, but, but... but for years, nobody thought about kicking 60 yards for right. years. Now it's become, obviously, the record is now, what, 64 or whatever it was that was set by the guy in Denver. I don't know who did it. Was it Elam? Uh, I think, doesn't Tucker hold the record? Let me look it up right now. Didn't Tucker do it last year in that yeah. Detroit game? It's very possible. Uh, what? But for years. Tucker's 66. 66. Yeah. So and that 60, was in Detroit. Yeah. 63 was, for the longest time, the record by Tom Dempsey with Joe Scarpatti holding. <laughs> and, uh, How do you know and, this? I, I don't know. But uh, do. anyway, nobody thought about going that, that long. Now you got these guys who are kicking it 60-plus yards. And I'm guessing that the coach just thought, okay, this guy can make it from that distance. We're on, uh, you know, a, tur- a, a really nice turf field. It's not crappy like you saw in Chicago. Weather was good early yeah. season, not yeah. cold, not and he rainy. And McManus said he kicked it from 70, you know, right. during uh, – So figured he'd give him a shot, you know. Yeah. And it, it was a good hold and everything else, but it wasn't a it wasn't a. I mean, you've got a kick. Hall of Fame quarterback. You, you, you can't go – I mean, a fourth and five, yeah. you're not willing to go, go yeah. for it? it, it you, most people are like, that's a dumb call. I thought – what do you think the chances of him making that field goal was? Because statistically they say that 60-plus yard field goals since 1960 are two for 48 career in the NFL. Really? 
They've I would have thought it would uh, wow uh, like six percent. Huh. Some other stat service claimed there was a fourteen percent chance he would make it. I my gut says it was a forty percent shot for him to make that field goal. That's, that, that's how does that feel to you? That's uh, well, he's that's very high. good. Yeah, no, I no, I think I think thirty percent, thirty thirty five percent, forty percent is pretty high. He's a him. career eighty percent kicker. Yeah. And he's, he's he was, got a big leg. Big leg. He was perfect from 40 to 50 the last two years. Didn't miss a kick from inside 50 the last two years. So all of those things go into the thinking of the head coach. I mean, right. that's why he gave him the shot. But I, I was surprised, and I thought, you know, that they could move the ball and pick up five yards and, or at least give that the best, better chance to get a better field goal. You mortgage your whole franchise to get a Hall of Fame quarterback in there and Russell Wilson, and in the first game – you don't use him in the, in the situation you brought him in for? Yeah. You know, fourth and five. That, you brought him in to make yeah. that play. In the meantime, Geno Smith, I mean, he, he – He didn't shit himself. He looked good. He threw for 120 yards, though. Just he, keep that in mind. Okay, but he I mean, got two composed. He they got good, okay, good they handle got, on – Fine. They get, here's the thing about Geno. The more you play him, the less you like him. Yeah. Okay, well, that's possible. We'll see. How did you feel about all the boos for Russell Wilson? I thought it's weird. It's like yeah, I don't, I don't really think I understand that. Uh, he gave you a Super Bowl, well, could have given you yeah. a second one, and, he, and you, you really don't understand it from that crowd because that crowd is as raucous, probably as any in the NFL. He meant a lot to, to that franchise, made him relevant. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think the boo, I think it was a smattering of booze. I don't think it was a whole lot. Yeah, I heard, right, a, I got, lot. I heard a lot. I was surprised. I, I heard more than I thought I was going to hear. Yeah. So yeah. I got, I got two appropriate sound bites. I've got to play for you guys about last night's decision. This, I think they're both from, I think, Mad TV or SNL or something like that. Here's the first Coach, one. can you explain why in the second quarter uh, you had Greg Graciano attempt a 98-yard field goal? Yeah. <laughs> I thought he could make it. Well, has he ever made one before? Not to my knowledge. <laughs> Greg Graciano. I... And, then, and then there's this classic one. Talk about momentum. Coach, 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 coach. When the game was on the line, you made a decision that didn't pan out, obviously. Why didn't you decide to do the other thing that would have panned out 100%? I mean, that's what I would have done. The thing that would have worked. The thing that you didn't, didn't do. do. I'm sorry. Who are you? A Noxious reporter, some East Coast paper. Look. Oh, God, I love that. That's, That's the essence of sports, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You didn't is. do the thing that would have obviously worked. And, if and you know, if, if McManus nails that field goal, you know, and he's, a, he's a hero. Oh, he's yeah. the greatest decision what of all time. What a shrewd decision. Yeah, absolutely. All right, boys, let's eat. You ready for some lunch? Yes, sir. I am, but I could talk about this for another two hours. Well, the podcast, we're here for a good time, not a long time. I think we've had a good, effective 36 <laughs> minutes of point. chatter. That's a good point. All right, boys. So what happens now? Is the food free or do we pay someone? Of course not. They send you a bill.